Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. What is good, everybody? Welcome to episode 13 of the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation, and with me, as always, extra cranky today after the Eagles' Monday night football loss, Brandon Lee Gowden from Bleeding Green Nation. I'd ask how you're doing, but I think I know. Stats, I think I'm doing great because the Eagles are getting a higher draft pick, baby. They're at number six in the draft order. They can get as high as three. That's all that matters. Oh, man. And you can use that pick to take a quarterback. Oh. Oh, never mind. <laughs> well, the Eagles are a quarterback factory. I don't know if you heard that, Stats. <laughs> yeah, God. Look, we're going to get into everything going wrong with the Eagles, and there does seem to be a lot. Uh, we'll get into that. We're going to get into your 100% accurate Week 13 power rankings, which no other show has 100% power rankings, so we're grateful to you for those. We're going to do oddities. I'm going to banish somebody to the pit of misery, which I can't wait to do because God knows they deserve it. This is a jam-packed show, but we have to start with Monday Night Football. The Seahawks get the 23-17 win. It pains me to talk about the Seahawks right off the top, but I think we should. I mean, they highlighted it on the broadcast. This is the worst passing defense of all time. It doesn't matter. As you have said, you nailed it from the start of the season. Russell Wilson is good. Who cares about the defense? DK Metcalf catches like one out of every three balls you throw him, but it's still good enough to dominate. And the Seahawks roll to another win. Ho-hum for Seattle, who are now, you know, they're maintaining that NFC West lead. They're eight and three. They're number two overall in the NFC playoff picture, just behind the Saints at the top there. Uh, you know, big win for them and really unsurprising. They always own the Eagles. I think Russell Wilson now. 7-0 and against the Eagles, the team that passed on him three times in the 2012 NFL draft. Uh, and also DK Metcalf, another Eagles player, or another could have been Eagles player that Philly passed on three times, uh, made the Eagles pay. Stats, I don't know if you saw this, but Jim Schwartz, the Eagles defensive coordinator, apparently said something to DK Metcalf before the game about how, like, you're no Megatron. And... And after the game, Eagles PR was quick to put out, like, Jim Schwartz is actually trying to compliment Metcalf there. And, like, okay, but he didn't take it that way. And it definitely gave him extra motivation. Now, let's be real. Like, that didn't actually, you know, matter. Like, Metcalf still would have gone off. He's done it against the Eagles twice before. So uh, I'm not, like, putting that all on Jim Schwartz. And actually, the, the, you know, the defense did relatively well to hold the NFL's top scoring offense to just 23 points there. But, yeah, Seattle um, – I really struggle to give them a lot of credit, you know, for, for their defensive improvement in this game specifically, just because of how bad the Eagles offense was. But to their credit, you know, they, they didn't get gassed by them. They could have that could have happened. Um, that didn't happen. And then yeah, Russell Wilson just, you know, having DK Metcalf, what a blessing. I mean, just 
the guy's a freaking beast. Yeah, the, the thing about the Seahawks, I see it with the Chiefs too. The skill of the quarterback perfectly complements what the receiver does. With the Chiefs, it's the fact that Patrick Mahomes can throw the ball out of the planet and Tyree Kill is fast enough to catch it no matter where he throws it. With the Seahawks, it's DK Metcalf does one thing really well, which is run straight ahead. He's super fast. And Russell Wilson is placing the ball like you couldn't hand it to, to DK Metcalf in a better spot than where Russell Wilson is placing it. And so Metcalf grabs it and he uses his giant body and his giant arms and he gets touchdowns left, right and center. It's a perfect match. And that's a credit to John Schneider for sort of marrying those two things. Yeah. And he was beating Darius Slay, too, who has had a pretty good season. I wouldn't say like an amazing season because we haven't seen enough big plays like his nickname, Big Play Slay for the Eagles. I don't think he's had an interception yet, but I mean, still like one of the better slash best cover corners in the league. And he was in position, you know, he was in phase with Metcalf a lot, but uh, just didn't matter because Metcalf is just a monster of a player and he was winning those 50, 50 balls. And uh, yeah, just, I mean, crazy numbers stats. I mean, 10 receptions for 177 yards. Uh, that's like more or, or around there. Uh, I, I believe than like JJ Ortega Whiteside, who the Eagles passed on or, or took, sorry, instead of taking, they passed on Metcalf and they took JJ Ortega Whiteside instead. Uh, so it's a really good luck for the Eagles there. Um, yeah, I mean this this was just I had no faith in the Eagles winning this game just because again Seattle owns this team. The Eagles haven't beaten the Seahawks stats since 2008. You know they they've just been owned wow. by this team. Doug Peterson's Eagles had never put up more than 15 points in a game against Seattle. And hey, congrats. He did it here with 17 with eight of those coming on a Hail Mary and then a two-point conversion uh, in garbage time. So they do have that going for them. But uh, yeah, I think Seattle is definitely, like I've said the whole season, like nothing really to worry about with them um, in terms of like they're still going to be in good position to be in the playoffs. They're going to be a high seed. Does the defense? Yeah, they could be. Uh, well, Well, let's get into that. Do you think they will be? I 100% think they will be. Look at their schedule. The next two games, they play the New York teams, the Giants and the Jets. And the Giants, I mean, Daniel Jones might not even play. So any hope you might have had for an upset is going to be gone because Colt McCoy just ain't getting it done. So that's two more wins. After that, they play Washington. You got to think that's another win right there. They have one game left against the Rams, which they cannot seem to beat the Rams. It's sort of a weird triangle in the NFC West. The Rams own the Seahawks. The Seahawks own the 49ers and the 49ers own the Rams. But so they might lose one more game and then they play the 49ers in week 17. And let's be honest, Seattle knows how to beat the 49ers. So I think they're only losing one game the rest of the way. To me, they're going to be the one seed. I think it's pretty clear, especially when the Saints have Taysom Hill, who cannot seem to throw the ball. That's their only challenge in the NFC to me. So I think Seattle's going to be the one seed. And that would be big, you know, being the only team to get the buy. I mean, I think the Saints need the buy the most, right? I mean, to have that extra week and potentially, Ooh. you know, you know, give Drew Brees some extra rest there, that would be big for them. And and if the Saints uh, fall out of that spot and Seattle slips in there, I mean, that's a really big position there. Yeah, for sure. And I I know that Green Bay is there also, but I just Green Bay's schedule is not as advantageous as Seattle's schedule. I mean, that's a that's a powder puff, marshmallowy, pillowy, soft schedule for Seattle. Let's look at the how Green Bay is going to finish up here as I bring it up. I mean, oh, well, they have your Eagles next week, BLG. I wonder who's going to win that one. The Eagles did go into Lambeau last year and upset the Packers. Am I counting on it to happen again? I am not. 
So then they have the Lions after that. The Panthers, who the Panthers are a very tough game. That is not a cupcake game at all. They're really, they're better than I thought they would be in year one. Uh, They're a feisty team. Then they play the Titans, who can put up a fight for sure, especially with Derrick Henry. I mean, the Packers can't stop the run, so that should be interesting. And they finish up with the Bears, who are terrible. Okay, so it's, it's somewhat comparable, but there's a couple of tough games in there. I still give Seattle the edge. Yeah, you know, there's something just to the Packers, too. Anyway, you know, I just said I don't have any faith in the Eagles beating them. But last year, I mean, a, a reason the Eagles were able to beat them is because they just ran all over Green Bay. And obviously, we saw other teams do that. We've seen teams do that this year. So I still kind of worry about that. You know, when a team can just is able to commit to the run and kind of just bully uh, that Green Bay defense. Although, you know, Aaron Rodgers, obviously, just really playing out of his mind right now, leading the NFL in passer rating. Um, he's hot. So, you know, they're still they're still in the mix there to get that one seed. Um, wouldn't rule it out. But yeah, I guess I guess Seattle really is the favorite, which is crazy to me for a team to be so flawed and yet potentially be the favorite and be the number one seed to me just points to the sort of uh, parody in the NFC. Well, it's certainly not going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers stats who, you know, uh, we started the show off with them last week. Right. Talking about Tom Brady and uh, am, am I allowed to get in the power rankings now? Well, do you want to give the power rankings or do you want to bash your Eagles a little bit more? Well, I have them 30th in the power rankings. Spoiler alert. So uh, I guess I can, we, we can probably bash them a little bit more. All right. Well, if we're going to do it, let's do it right. Let's get a little help. Let's talk to Jimmy Kemsky of the Philly Voice and BGN Radio. He's going to help us look at how this team went from seemingly set up for a lot of years of success to now not. We're very happy to be joined by Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. I've heard that you have ties with him as well. Is that true? It is true stats. Uh, Jimmy and I host BGN Radio on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. Uh, the most important podcast, some people say, besides this one, obviously. So <laughs> great to have Jimmy on. I, I wanted to have Jimmy on stats because uh, he wrote a piece on Monday morning before the Eagles' terrible loss to the Seahawks about how the Eagles need to blow it up. And I think that loss to Seattle was kind of a nice – little view for everyone not in philly you know the national market to see that there are a lot of things wrong here and it's not just like one minor change needs to be made it's not like you got to tweak along the margins it's like it's time for every to, to blow everything up so jimmy uh you're here with us it's, it's great to talk to you in a different platform my friend where do we start after last night's game I feel like I'm running into you like at the supermarket or something like that or like you <laughs> see somebody all the time but it's just in a different place yes uh, but I'm sorry. What did, what did you ask me? <laughs> well, yeah, of course, I was, I, was, I was focused on my dumb joke. <laughs> Hot start. Uh, where do we Where do we start after last night's game? It's not just that the Eagles have been bad all year. It's that they've just been incredibly boring, and they somehow turned the Seahawks team that has played these wildly entertaining games all season long, and somehow turned this into a very very boring game on national television. So it's not even just that they're bad; they're really boring, and the fan viewing experience in philadelphia really i mean i can't i can't remember it being this awful there were so many things that went wrong carson wentz was sacked six times he averaged 1.8 yards per attempt in the first half which i didn't even know that that was possible there were physical errors (laughs) and bad throws but the most concerning thing to me is there were so many miscommunications between Carson Wentz and his receivers. It was almost like he was the backup and had been thrown into the starting lineup and they didn't have time to get chemistry together. Like, is it supposed to be that hard? I mean, everything's broken is, is really the short answer. He's been bad. Uh, I mean, we can just see the throws that he's made. He's been inaccurate. He's been all over the place. 
He's made bad decisions in the pocket. He's held the ball for an eternity. So, like, there's no excusing him and the performance that he's had this year. But just across the board, I mean, they, they've been bad. The receivers haven't been good. They got a little bit of a spark at one point during the season from Travis Fulgham, but otherwise they've been really bad. The offensive line has had 10 different starting combinations in, in 11 weeks, which is just kind of mind-blowing. That Like, like even if uh, – it's it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Like they're, they're going to run out of combinations at some point where like they're going to have to overlap at some point. Uh, but it's, it's just wild that they've had 10 different starting combinations. So that's part of it. The scheme has just been horrible. The play calling has been good. I don't even like ma- micromanaging play calling because uh, you know, you don't know what sort of works during practice and then, you know, what players are comfortable with and such, but the, the play calling has been obviously bad. So from a coaching perspective, a player perspective, you know, offensive line, receivers it's just been awful across the board and the result has been what is arguably I don't want to say they're the worst offense in the NFL because there's some other pretty bad ones but for sure I mean they're 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 a bottom five offense in the NFL right now yeah I mean Carson Wentz is like it's it's pathetic it's pathetic Carson Wentz (laughs) has 157 passing yards last night before the final drive garbage time Hail Mary I'm not counting that he's 150 seven yards against the NFL's worst passing defense. It's so ridiculous. I can't believe there are still people out there making excuses for Carson Wentz. Yeah, things haven't been perfect. He's a $128 million quarterback. You pay him to be much, much better to this, to help you like elevate the team and then get through some of these tough times. The, the idea that like Doug Peterson is all to blame for Carson Wentz is, is out there, or at least like that somewhat out there and that just that drives me crazy because it's like what's Doug Peterson supposed to do call the plays where Carson Wentz doesn't have to be accurate like there are throws here <laughs> to be made like make the throw it, it there's he's getting time it's so bad it's so bad Jimmy please just tell me that Carson Wentz is as bad as I think he is yeah I think last year some of the excuses were valid when you had like a lot of drops you know he's dragging these practice squad players to the playoffs in the final four games so like I think there was some uh, there was some wiggle room for, you know, absolving him of, of what, what were, you know, not great stats last year, but this year, I mean, like you said, there's just no way around it. I mean, he's just, he's just been a horrible quarterback. Always. Statistically, he's the worst quarterback in the NFL. So this well, is sorry, worst starting quarterback in the NFL. So, I mean, like, like you said, there's, there, the excuses have kind of run out by this point and you're right. Like maybe not last night, the protection wasn't good, but in other games, certainly he's had plenty of time to throw. I don't know who to attribute this to, but somebody put on Twitter, which made me laugh out loud, like said he has a chance at the triple frown, which, <laughs> which is uh, he'll be the he'll, he's chance to be the league leader in interceptions, in fumbles, and in sacks taken. So like he's he's currently leading the league in interceptions and sacks taken, and he's one fumble behind, I think it was Derek Carr. So he's got a chance still at the triple frown. The last quarterback to do that was Blake Bortles in 2015 uh so anyway, again i don't know who to attribute that to but i thought that was funny the, the triple frown instead of the triple crown of course i guess looking at big picture as i always like to do on this podcast uh you you know you wrote the article i said earlier about like the you'll just need to blow it up and i think i i agree i mean that's where we are with this team we've talked about it on bgn radio all year like the stats the most depressing thing about the Eagles is like this is their team like they're locked into this roster a lot because they've spent a lot of this money and so basically next year's team 2021 Eagles aren't going to be all that different like they can't get rid of Carson Wentz they can't get rid of a lot of these players or they can but there's a lot of dead money tied in them it's like the Eagles are basically screwed here there's really no hope in the short term they need a hard reset and you can't the key thing the key point I'm going to steal Jimmy's thunder here 
a little bit. The key point that Jimmy makes is that you can't trust Howie Roseman to fix this mess. One, because if he had those answers, they wouldn't be in this situation. Two, because he cannot possibly be trusted to fix this team because he's on the hot seat now. Right. Like, so he, he does not have incentive to think about the long term. He, he needs to try to get this team back on track in the short term for his job security's sake. And therefore, it makes no sense to keep him. And, it, you know, I think Doug Peterson, it's a shame that he's probably going to, you know, it, it's uh, as an expression, as our good friend Dane Klausner used, uh, throw the baby out with the bathwater. And he's kind of getting caught up all this. Not <laughs> yeah. to say he's, he's not culpable. I think he does deserve blame. But I think Howie Roseman right now, he just needs to go, Jimmy. Am I wrong? The roster is old. Uh, the roster is bad. And the roster is expensive. They're scheduled to be $69 million over the salary cap in 2021. They'll roll over some of 2020 like salary cap. I think it's like $23 million that they can roll over into the next year. So that'll knock that figure down a little bit. Maybe the salary cap number of $176 million will rise a little bit if the revenues are a little better than expected. So that might help. But otherwise, I mean, they're, they're going to have to they're going to cut some guys. So they'll be able to cut Alshon. They'll be able to cut Deshaun Jackson. Uh, Marquise Goodwin's tenure will never get underway here. His numbers will come off the books. So that'll help a little bit. But they're still going to be pretty far over the cap at that point. And then they're pretty much going to have to choose the the least of the evils in terms of which like which players with bloated contracts that they have to restructure their contract, basically turn salary into um, a signing bonus and then further kick the can down the road uh, with those guys, you know, pu- pushing off, you know, that cap, that, that those cap hits into future years. They have 11 guys on the roster right now, but the way that they, they've sort of operated over the last few years is they have these dummy years at the end of the contract where essentially these players will count against the cap after the, their contract ends. So they have 11 guys on the roster right now that, that have that situation going on where like their contract will end and then they'll still count on the cap for a few years thereafter. So not only is this team really in bad shape for 2021 in terms of their cap situation, but they're also going to be at a disadvantage because they're going to have these guys with money on their, on their deals after they're long gone. Talk about a triple frown, old, bad, and expensive (laughs) is the ultimate triple frown. Let me ask you this because, you know, I've been living in sort of the national NFL world for a long time. The national perspective for me on the Eagles was okay. Andy Reid is there. He gets to the end of his run. They fire Andy Reid. They bring in Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly tells Howie Roseman to get the hell out of football operations. He won't even keep him in the building, right? They fire Chip. All of a sudden, Howie Roseman comes riding back in on the white horse, making all these moves. They win the Super Bowl. You know, they got Doug Peterson. He's super aggressive. He's using the analytics. You know, they're on like the cutting edge of NFL technology. And things seem to be great for the Eagles. And now all of a sudden we're here and you're talking about old, bad, and expensive. How did this happen? And is that narrative right? Or, or am I missing something? It's wild. <laughs> I mean, like, I think your, your national perspective is, is pretty much the same as the local perspective. I mean, when you look at the 2016 and 2017 seasons, like what Howie Roseman did to build this roster into a Super Bowl winner was really remarkable. I mean, they were, in, they were in shambles at the end of the Chip Kelly era. Like he was, he was worse as a GM than he even was as a head coach in the NFL and he just left the team in really bad shape. Harry Roseman got them out from under that, built a good roster, made really savvy offseason moves in terms of free agency. The draft wasn't great, but they they did I mean they they did trade up to Carson Wentz. You know, he real everything he touched in 2016 to 2017 turned to gold, but three years thereafter, I mean, they were positioned like incredibly to have this long run because they had like some like their core players 
we're under contract for, for like, you know, two, three, four years after that Super Bowl. And then they just kept extending them and like pushing these, these, the, the contracts in, in the future years. They made a lot of bad free agent signings. They traded a lot of draft pick for, for aging vets. They only made 10 picks total in 2018 and 2019. So no team in the NFL made fewer picks. I think it was Tennessee uh, also only made 10 picks over those two years. So what you had there was a roster that was getting older and they weren't filling it. They weren't filling in, you know, the, the, the roster with younger with good young players. And then they had some extraordinary misses in those 2018 and 2019 drafts. And it's really all just kind of falling apart. So like for as quickly as they rose to Super Bowl prominence, they fell just as hard. My argument would be that things were always a little bit more fragile than they appeared. I guess that's you know easier to say in hindsight. Like this is a team that wanted to hire Ben McAdoo as head coach, you know, at one point. <laughs> yes. Like there were a lot of like questionable decisions along the way. Um, I would also say the biggest key to me is that Howie Rosen was humbled when Chip Kelly, you know, basically threw him out of the, you know, won the power struggle and relegated Howie Roseman to the broom closet. He was humbled by that. And I think he came back with like a fresh new perspective and that really worked for a little bit, but then he wins the Super Bowl, and I think the hubris set back in and he thought yeah. like he got back into the mindset of like, we can do no wrong. I can like galaxy brain, you know, taking Jalen hurts with pick number 53. <laughs> yes. Like I think he got back into that mode and I think that's his ultimate downfall or should be his downfall. And I think that's what a big problem with the Eagles right now is, is just hubris organizational hubris. So well, there you go. <laughs> So thank you for coming on, Jimmy. Uh, we, we appreciate your time. Uh, obviously, you and I will be talking more about the Eagles on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed, BGN Radio, so everyone go check that out if you want to hear more about how depressing the Eagles are this week. And check out Jimmy on Philly Voice, of course. And follow him on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. Thank you for having me on, fellas. Thanks again to Jimmy Kemsky for helping us break down all the problems in the city of brotherly love. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll get into the 100% accurate Week 13 power rankings. I will banish a team to the pit of misery. We'll do the oddities and the survivor picks as well. All that coming up after the break. Pit of misery. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once in a lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.
It is week 13 here on the Oddcast, and you know what that means, BLG. Power rankings time. You went into the lab, you were crunching the numbers, you were watching the tape, and you have the 100% accurate week 13 power rankings. Let me read off the top 10, and then we can dive into this thing wherever you want. Number one, the Steelers. They're undefeated. I don't know if they're ever going to play their actual week 12 game, which is now Wednesday. Been rescheduled multiple times, but they are number one. The Chiefs at two, they stay there from last week. The Saints are three. They also haven't moved. Packers are at four, up two spots from number six. Then the Bills also jump up some spots. They are number five now after being number seven last week. The Seahawks, who we talked about, are at number six. The Titans are at seven. Huge jump from them. They were 13 last week. Now they're up number seven. The Colts at number eight. The Dolphins at number nine. And the Rams coming off a loss, surprising, at number 10. I want to start with the Buccaneers, actually, who did not make the top 10 stats. I dropped them out of the top 10 to 11th overall. I mean, Tom Brady is tied for the second most interceptions thrown in the league this year. And seven of his 11 have come in Tampa Bay's last four games. There was also a point in Sunday's game, and I messaged you during the game on Slack, a little behind the curtain here uh, for the the loyal listeners, where the broadcast had pointed out that Brady reached 0 for 20 on his last 20 plus yards attempt. Like, what? 0 for 20 on 20 plus? Like, I, I heard the the uh, you know the, the show on this network that proclaims to be the best or whatever uh, Monday Football Monday or something like that. Talk about how you know it's all Bruce or it's Bruce Arians' fault, whatever scheme. I mean, you can't have a quarterback going 0 for 20 on his last 20 plus yards attempts. At some point. You have to go back to what I said, and like maybe this 43-year-old quarterback is kind of showing his age a little bit. Yeah, I totally agree. The simple fact of the matter is when you're 43, it can go at any time. I mean, he could drop off a cliff tomorrow, and would we really be that surprised? Oh, the 43-year-old guy at quarterback can't do it anymore. Like That's not exactly a stunning development. Father Time, as they say, is undefeated. Yeah, they're, they're going to make the playoffs probably. I mean, they're 7-5 here, but they're, you know they're, they're out of that top seed you know, spot, like potentially getting that number one seed. And I think that was another team that, that could be important for having another week to kind of work through things. And, and a, a 30 or 43 year old quarterback getting an, a, you know, a week of rest. Um, like he's accustomed to usually early in the playoffs. Um, how about we pivot stats to the team that ended Tom Brady's reign in new England, the Tennessee Titans, who, as you mentioned, yeah, big move up for me in my power rankings here in bleeding green moved them up from 13 to seven. Talked about the Titans a lot this year. Uh, it was interesting. Uh, I, I was actually in the look ahead last week stats, of course, because you weren't able to make it with Ed Valentine, your co-host there. And, and we were, we kind of differed on that game. I think you took the Colts. So I'm going to flop myself taking the Titans here. Cause I, I think I felt like the Titans, Mike Vrabel wasn't going to let this team get swept by the Colts. Um, maybe that's some, some rudimentary thinking there, but I really felt that way. And the Titans just bullied this team. And they're, that's their identity. The Titans are bullies. Like the offensive line paving the way for Derrick Henry to pulverize, you know, a really good Indianapolis defense. Um, AJ Brown, you know, a big physical weapon. He fits that identity too. This is a huge win for the Titans. They take first place in the AFC South. Uh, the Titans have had some issues this year. That's defense can be a little bit more leaky, leaky. Then I like to see, but I just I, I really like what Vrabel's doing. I just I really like this Titans team. Yeah, and I, I give him credit for attacking the weakness of the Colts, right? No DeForest Buckner for the Colts was massive. With DeForest Buckner on the field, they only give up 3.2 yards per rush. And the quarterback, the QBR for the quarterbacks was 40.3. 
Without DeForest Buckner on the field, they give up over five yards per rush with a QBR of 79 and a half. So it's a massive, massive difference. And Vrabel took advantage, right? Press until it hurts. And Derrick Henry was destroying that defense. The The Titans are a smart team to me. They, they really are. I love Vrabel. I call him baby Belichick for a reason. I think he's one of the better situational head coaches in the league. If they can just get more consistent, I feel like they could be a real threat. But right now, I don't know which Tennessee team I'm going to see week to week. And that, to me, is a problem. Yeah, and I think that could, you know, ultimately be their drawback when we look at the AFC playoff picture as a whole. You know, I still have them below, obviously, the Steelers and the Chiefs here. And then even the Bills, um, although I, I don't feel amazing about the Bills. I mean, the Bills, uh, that game could have been <laughs> worse it could have been worse off. I mean, Josh Allen throws a couple of turnovers or accountable for a couple of turnovers in that game. It's like it's like they almost tried to give it away and tried to let uh, the, it's like they tried to reverse charges it basically and, <laughs> and let the Chargers like back into the game inexplicably. Um, yeah, but I feel good about this team going into the playoffs. Uh, the Titans, that is, I, I think their identity will continue to serve them well, like it did last year. And obviously, you know, having that experience maybe helps them further. You know, going back again in uh this year i i I wouldn't count the titans out i think they're a dangerous team to count out that's how i'll put it it's going to be fascinating next week it's titans browns and to me those are basically like two mirror images of each other they have to run to win and the team that's going to do that better is going to be the team that wins that game and both teams like you said they really need that game so that's going to be that's probably one of the games of the week for week 13 we'll be getting to that one a little bit later it's a tease for you stats um uh you mentioned the browns I have them at 12th here. Uh, move them up from 15. The good news for them, and very good news, and I'm happy for Cleveland fans. You know, you know, they look like they're in good position. You know, to make the playoffs. I mean, they're the fifth seed right now. They're eight and three. It's a competitive field, so there's no guarantees here. But I, I think you know they're they're pretty solid spot. But like, I mean, they they struggled to beat the Jags. The, the Jacksonville could have tied that game up towards the end there at one point if they get the two-point conversion. Uh, they're 8-3, and three, but they just don't, like, they're not that impressive of an 8-3 and three team to me. Baker Mayfield missed some guys who were so wide open in the red zone. Like, I had to remind myself that this guy was a number one pick. And this guy was a number one pick in a class loaded with quarterbacks. And he misses guys that are wide open. I do not understand what is going on with him. He should be set up for success. They have such a good running game there. They've got weapons in the passing game with Jarvis Landry and and other weapons there in Cleveland. Even Higgins is still pretty good. I know Odell's down, but there's threats there in the passing game. And I have no confidence in him to win a game if Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt can't carry the offense. I don't think this will happen. But I like this idea. I think it was Mike Sando from The Athletic threw it out there. Like, what if, you know, the Lions decide to shop Matt Stafford, which I think they should do, by the way. Um, you know, they fired Matt Patricia and got rid of Bob Quinn. Good job. As I, 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 throw, I threw Matt Patricia in the pit of misery recently. Um, but, yeah, what if Matt Stafford's available? Like, I think the Browns should make that move. I think they should they should go out. I mean, they have to do something, I feel like, to, to give themselves more insurance. I think Baker's holding that team back, ultimately. I don't know how a guy goes from setting the rookie record for touchdown passes in a season like Baker did to now like struggling to hit open guys and and make easy plays. And if they're not going to get any better there, like you have to look to upgrade. You have a chance now if you're Cleveland to do something 
incredible. Like they haven't had eight wins in a season in 12 years. Think about that. It's been over a decade since they've even been essentially 500 in a season. And the roster is set up now. Do what you can this year. But yeah, I agree. Next year, if you can upgrade, why wouldn't you? Like what is the downside? Stats, uh, speaking of quarterback upgrades and another potential Matt Stafford destination, potentially, uh, what am I supposed to make of your San Francisco 49ers? So I had 26 last week, move them up to 20. You know, they swept the Rams who have looked pretty good for most of the year. You, you said earlier, it's like, they just have their number, but look, you know, for, uh, all the talk I've seen of team tank out in San Francisco and trying to get a quarterback and whatnot. I mean, the 49ers are not totally dead in the NFC playoff picture. They have their work cut out for them, but I mean, I think they can at least get to eight and eight. I think they can easily get to eight and eight. Um, they obviously they've got to win. Buffalo this week is going to be an extremely tough game. But look, when you when you give some pieces to Kyle Shanahan, he's going to find a way to get it done. I mean, Debo Samuel and Raheem Mostert were the only threats last week, and Debo goes for I think eleven catches for one hundred and thirty three yards, one hundred and thirty six of which came after the catch, by the way, which is just an incredible number. But they're getting healthy on offense, and Robert Sala has that defense playing out of their minds right now, even with some injuries. They can beat anybody. They can beat anybody. Will they? I don't know. But if they somehow found a way to get into the playoffs, they'd have Garoppolo back. They'd have Kittle back at the end of the year. Seemingly, they'd have Ayuk and Debo and Mostert on the offense. They would be a team in the NFC that nobody would want to play. We're a long way off from that. But if they somehow managed to pull it together, they'd be trouble. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, they're the 10th seed right now. They're five and six. The Vikings and Bears are also five and six. I mean, the Bears are going to continue to trend downward, so I don't think they have to worry about that. Vikings, you know, that'll be kind of tough. They're, they're competitive. They've been looking better recently. Kirk Cousins playing well, um, or at least a lot better than he was earlier in the year. Uh, but yeah, that, like, uh, hey, what, Cousins? The, if the Panthers had managed to find a way to beat the Vikings, yes, that would have been huge for the 49ers. I mean, and let's be honest. I mean, the Panthers missed the field goal at the end of the game that would have won it. They had some plays in the red zone where they should have taken advantage. Guys were open. I think it was DJ Moore who ended up getting hurt on the play, but he was wide open and Teddy Two Gloves missed him. Like the Panthers should have won that game and that would have been huge for the Niners playoff chances. Yeah. And if the NFL goes to that expanded, you know, the contingency, you know, playoff format and it's eight seeds. I mean, this, 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 you know, this, the 49ers aren't that far off. It's possible. They can do it. Uh, I'm not going to say it's likely, you know, I don't, I don't feel great about the quarterback situation there still. Um, but, uh, you know, they're not dead yet. And if you had told me, you know, a few weeks ago with all the injuries they've had and everybody that's been out that they would have be playing relevant football on December 1st, I would have signed up for that in a heartbeat. So look, You know, I don't know what's going to happen, but at least I'm not packing it in. Like, at least I have reason to tune in on Monday night next week against the Bills with a legitimate chance, a legitimate path to the playoffs in view. I mean, that's really all you can ask for as a fan. All right. Before we get to the oddities and the survivor picks, I have to throw one more coach into the pit of misery. I'm sorry. Let's do it. Cliff Kingsbury. What the hell are you doing, Cliff Kingsbury? Like, how many times do you have to make the same mistake before you learn what's wrong? Against the Seahawks, two minutes and 47 seconds left. It's a tie game. You freak out because Kyler Murray loses five yards. You attempt a 41-yard field goal on second and 15. You miss. Now, luckily for you, you get bailed out. Your team wins in overtime. Then, against Miami, you're down three with a minute and 58 left. It's fourth and one, and you don't go for it. You get conservative again. You try a 49-yard field goal, and you miss. 
This week against New England, tied at 17, a minute 42 left, fourth and one. What does Cliff Kingsbury do? Does he give the ball to Kyler Murray and come up with some crazy stuff and lean on the fact that he's an offensive head coach with a really good quarterback? No. He trots out Zane Gonzalez again. He tries a 45-yard field goal. He misses, and the Cardinals lose. Look, it's great for me. I'm in the NFC West. My Niners are in the NFC West. I love that they have a dumb coach in their division. But how many times does Cliff Kingsbury have to make this same mistake before he realizes, maybe I should go for it on fourth and short? Too many, Cliff. You're in the pit of misery. That's it. Goodbye. Does Cliff Kingsbury think he's a bad coach? Because like apparently he does, like because he doesn't have any confidence in himself to make these these like you said, he's, this is an offensive minded coach. Like, does he not have plays that can get him that he can run successfully to get like this is such loser stuff? And obviously they won the Seattle game, but like they could have lost that, they should have lost that probably. And you know now this has cost them two games against Miami and New England, and now you know you have Arizona sitting here at what six and five they're seventh you know that final playoff spot if there's no expansion and uh you know kingsbury is to blame for not for them not being better it's, it's disappointing um it, it's really the cowardice that we've seen from sean mcveigh too so really statue lucky because it's mcveigh it's kingsbury you know you have all these cowards Pete in your Carroll. division p carroll regretted going for it on fourth down he said after the game uh on, on monday night after they got stopped twice even though it was probably the right decision in both yeah. it's definitely the right decision in both cases yep. it's not like you should be scared of the eagles offense um <laughs> so yeah the cowardice there can do we throw anthony lynn in the pit yet stats uh no but we can if you want to yeah i'm not going to go into a whole diatribe here but i'm going to just say like obviously he should be too i mean we you and i were talking about it at the, at the end of that chargers game they run the ball <laughs> they, they run the ball down 10 points they're at the two yard line no timeouts and 24 seconds left they run the ball what are they doing anthony lynn said after the game it's miscommunication or whatever ultimately it doesn't matter that's on him it's terrible and there, it's been more than just that uh, there's been a lot of poor game management there. I mean, there's no doubt. Like Anthony Lynn has basically removed all doubt that he should be fired. He absolutely should be fired. I, I feel it's not fair to Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert deserves a lot better. That's going to be an attractive job, you know, with Justin Herbert there. Uh, so Anthony Lynn, I think he has to join Cliff Kingsbury and Matt Patricia and the Eagles and whoever else we've thrown in the pit of Pete misery. Carroll. Pete Carroll. Well, okay. So let me ask you this, because there is a way we should we should mention there is a way out of the pit of misery. It's not a permanent thing. You can escape. Does yes. Matt Patricia escape the pit of misery now that he's been fired? No. He remains in there with the heat and the flames and the mashing of teeth. Yeah, maybe like if he goes on to become like a, a good defensive coordinator, like okay. But until then, uh, just a total joke. All right. Well, that'll transition us to the oddities for Week Twelve. There were some weird ones. We talked about Anthony Lynn. By the way, after he runs the ball in that situation, then they try and do a quarterback sneak with Justin Herbert, except the offensive line thinks it's a passing play. So the offensive line drops back to pass block and Herbert tries to quarterback sneak it in and he gets hammered and doesn't even score. I felt so bad. I feel so bad for Justin Herbert. Again, it's it's so crazy that like he's been as good as he has this season and the Chargers have what? Uh, three wins here. It's like it's it's a crime, really. Uh, let's stick now. Let's go to Bill Belichick. We'll stay in the AFC. He was so mad about a block in the back call that negated a Patriot touchdown. He actually broke out the still photographs of the play and called the refs over and was literally, <laughs> he had the receipts essentially showing the referees. Here's how you screwed it up. 
I'm always a big fan of like the uh, the stadium is showing a replay of like a really bad missed call, uh, and the ref has to just like look at it, and they show the broadcast is showing the player like look, like look up at the, the jumbotron, like <laughs> you made this awful call. It's obvious, everyone can see it, and obviously no no one in the stadiums this year uh, for most cases, but uh, I always like that. We all screw up at our jobs, no matter who we are and what we do. Imagine when your mistake is immediately <laughs> made known to millions of people around the world right after you make it. And there, there's nothing you can do at that point, right? You just have to swallow it. The way you put that makes me have sympathy for refs. <laughs> when you think about, like, you know, uh, you, you spill, uh, I don't know, you spill your coffee all over yourself. And then, like, there's this, like, this big screen. It's like you're in, a, you know, Times Square in New York. And, like, all the screens are showing you just, like, doing that over and over. <laughs> yeah, pretty bad. Attention, everyone. Look at this idiot spilling his coffee. And then everyone says, how could he spill his coffee? It was so obvious. I don't know. That's a terrible <laughs> job in a big spot. All right. Uh, let's go to Belichick's old quarterback, Tom Brady. I've never seen this before, BLG. He's about to snap the ball, and Antonio Brown does not know the play. Shocker, I know. So Brady just walks, just leaves the quarterback position, walks all the way out to where Antonio Brown is and whispers the play in his ear before he snaps the ball. Have you ever seen that before? I feel like usually you maybe see a little bit of a compromise, like the receiver kind of comes in a little bit. Um, the quarterback might go out a little bit or the quarterbacks, you know, he walks out a little bit to, you know, puts his hands, cups his hands around his mouth, starts like yelling it, you know, what to do or whatever. Uh, but yeah, Tom Brady just flew out, like walked all the way out there and ran <laughs> back. And it's kind of, it's funny. It's like, are you guys going to get the snap off in time? And they did, but it was, it was kind of close. And also I was thinking like, can you kind of do some trick play off of that too? Like, you know, kind of do some kind of Philly special variant here, just direct snap it there, maybe throw like a throw backwards to Tom Brady and have him throw a pass from there. I don't know. And this is the crazy thing. Like there's no fans in the stands, right? So it's not like, oh, Antonio Brown just can't hear. He literally doesn't know what to do on the play. And Tom Brady has to go tell him like, run a post. Hey, this is a button hook here. Go out to the 12 and turn around and I'll hit you. What I liked about that two stats is that Antonio Brown had nothing to do in that play. Like they, they snapped the ball and he, Tom Brady immediately looks right and throws it. Like, so, so, so what was the point? Right. What did he say? Maybe he was like, just don't worry about it, dude. You're, it's yeah. not going to you. Yes. This is a downer for me. We get to our survivor picks. You had the Seahawks <laughs> over the Eagles in week 12. Congratulations. That is a win for you. You are now nine and two on the season. That is incredible. Yeah, I mean, look, I play to win. You some say, I, you know, you, you say specifically that I take the uh, the easy games, but look, I mean, that's the name of the game. It's survive in advance. It's a survivor league. Stats, you're what six and five now. I am six and five. I do live dangerously. I pick much more interesting games than you, which is, you know, I'm here for the people. So that's why I'm six and five. My Chargers did not get it done over the Bills this week, even though the Bills tried so hard to give it to them. So I'm six and five on the season. I've got some work to do the rest of the way for sure. All right, so I always go first. Why don't we let you go first this week? Who are you taking? Wow, you see, this is like the golfs. You have honors, right? You're giving up the honors to go to me? Sure. I'm totally unprepared. Of course you are. So you always get on me for doing this, but now it's it's you who's on the unprepared one. Well, see, I, I thought I, I was going to go second, so I would have more time to make my pick. Well, I want to throw you off so I can continue, continue to keep my advantage here. Yeah, right. That's that's what you need. You need the extra advantage. All right. Well, if we're going to go this route, then I'm going this route. I'll take the Chiefs over the Broncos. I haven't I've picked against the Chiefs multiple times this season. I have never picked the Chiefs. 
I mean, I can't really criticize the Broncos too much because they literally had to play without a quarterback, which is insanity. But I don't care if their quarterbacks are back, whether it's Drew Locke or Blake Bortles or John Elway, frankly. I don't care who the hell is quarterbacking for the Broncos. They are not beating the Chiefs. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I think I wrote about the Chiefs in my power rankings stats where I had them as number two. I mean, you can really make the case they're the number one team. They could easily be the repeating Super Bowl champions, not just the reigning Super Bowl champions. The Chiefs basically just feel pretty unfair, like how the Warriors were, the Golden State Warriors were unfair there for a while. I mean, they're just so good. Mahomes, I mean, he's just amazing. Um, I know the defense has had some issues, but whatever. I mean, it's Mahomes and you just trust him to get it right. Um, stats, do we make a mistake by not recording an entire podcast? about the the Broncos quarterback situation given that we are the oddcast and that's like the most oddest thing that's happened ever in the NFL recently the ultimate oddity I mean the Broncos literally and this is like not made up this is serious the Broncos literally asked the NFL if they could have a coach play quarterback for them this week like that was a legitimate request that the Broncos made to the league which by the way would have been awesome if it happened and I still maintain that if they were going to let anybody play quarterback that wasn't on the actual roster, it should have been John Elway. I mean, that would have been great to see. Also, he might have died, so not as great in that part. <laughs> but yes, it, it was. Uh, so maybe a big missed opportunity. That, but we mentioned it now, so that's fine. Uh, I'll make my pick here, Stats. And, you know, look, you're going to give me crap here for taking the cupcakes. I mean... I will take an eight and three team going up against an eight and three team. I will take the Titans, who I you know stand for earlier in the show here. I, I again, I, I basically explained my reasoning already. I think the Titans are bullies. I think Cleveland just isn't as good as that eight and three record indicates. I like Tennessee to win this game and to advance me to ten and two overall this year. Ten and two. That's like that is insanity. Now, granted, it's a survivor pool. We both would have been out after week one. So technically, none of this counts. So I'm giving you zero credit. But <laughs> since we have continued this, that's pretty good. Uh, this is your riskiest pick by far of any pick you've made this season. I don't know where this game's going to go because I don't know which Baker we're going to see. He's capable of making good throws, just not consistently. If he's able to string a couple together, that Titans defense has shown some vulnerabilities. But... I totally get why you're taking Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill by far has been the more consistent quarterback in that matchup. That and also, I mean, Derrick Henry's just a bad, bad man. Like he's just he's a very bad man. Like I, I just do not want to stop that guy. It's so strange in today's NFL, all about passing for sure. But I mean, Derrick Henry is the exception. I mean, he's just a beast. He's such a unique player. I can never get over it. Just like looking at him physically, it's so weird to see a running back that big. I mean, you think of like bigger running backs. Um, in in the past or, or you know just in general and like a lot of times they're these slower guys I think like Brandon Jacobs and how yep. I always loved when the Eagles would play uh, the Giants because like if they could just get Jacobs kind of moving left to right in the backfield he had no chance because like once <laughs> once you had you know you get him downhill yeah he had some success there but if you, you if you're trying to get him on left to right I mean he just he didn't stand a chance and Derrick Henry like he's he's just amazingly impactful player he's he's such a beast um so yeah that's where i'm I'm staking my pick this week on the titans feel good about it yeah i don't know how derrick henry could be so powerful and yet run away from defensive backs which he does consistently he it's an incredible combination and tennessee just loves to hand him the ball and he keeps getting it done so good job by you taking a risk this week for once hopefully you'll lose and i will begin my comeback of all comebacks hashtag comeback season here on the oddcast 
And BLG, I think that's going to do it for this edition, the week 13 edition of the Off Day Debrief. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero alongside Brandon Lee Gowton. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show. You'll get this show. You'll get a different show every day of the week. Enjoy the week 13 games, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.